0: Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. Uh, Emily Langpaul, my co-host, is here. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm
1: great. Thank you.
0: That is absolutely wonderful. Thank you for uh, being here, too, to our two special guests. Uh, We have Colette Nelson, the uh, Director of Care Ministry here at Hope, and Ben Mason, uh, Pastor of Marriage and Parenting and... All-around good guy too. So welcome, you guys. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thanks for having it's us. Good to
0: be here. We're really, really glad you're here. So we we always have a kind of a silly question to get to know you a little bit better. So. My question, yeah, no. I'm going to make it really simple today. It's it's sort of like a real elementary level thing. It's just, but I'm curious uh, if you could if you could only eat one thing for dinner tonight. What would it be? What would be the thing that you would really want? Because I think that's revealing. Like, what is what do you have a taste for? Steak. Really, you're a steak guy.
2: My answer is always steak.
0: Is it? (laughs) What kind of steak? What kind of a what kind of a (laughs) cut? and, And and how do you like it cooked?
2: Uh, I like my steak rare to medium rare And then uh, I think I We eat a lot of strip steak New York strip uh, I like a ribeye I like a more flavorful cut than a typical filet I feel like a filet is a good tender cut But it mm-hmm. doesn't have the same depth of flavor That a ribeye or a strip steak does Ben is quite a chef Ben is He is
1: mm-hmm.
2: Are you really? Because mm-hmm. y- you do it all, man you, you make
0: guitars, you make dollhouses for your daughter yeah. From mm-hmm. scratch mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah
2: I, I figure if I'm like mediocre at a lot of things, then I have lots to talk about <laughs> rather than rather than like be an expert in anything. I'll just be mediocre at a lot of things. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're great at a lot of things. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: that's yeah, exactly. That's that, what you think because you're not an expert in any <laughs> of the things. Yeah, yeah. You know, you
1: don't build dollhouses. So
0: no, yeah. Like that. So
2: for you, uni- <laughs> you play a pretty mean jazz guitar. too. Yeah, I play guitar. I build guitars and mm-hmm. uh, do woodworking. And I like to cook. Um, yeah, I'm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the things. All the things. I feel
0: so unworthy, and and I just want to no. say, <laughs> the official stance of the Pastor Mike Drop podcast is we take no stance on vegan or meat eating kinds of things, mm-hmm. since you know steak. Okay, is yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> well, that's good because you know my answer is steak, uh, but is not. Colette, you'll find mine eat meat. is
3: different because I am a vegetarian. <laughs> See,
2: this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. This is a
0: church for all people. <laughs> that's right. Colette, what uh, what what would be your answer to that if you could have anything?
3: Besides chocolate,
0: uh, no. Well, Chocolate's chocolate counts.
3: Good. I could live on that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. So the the
0: sweet tooth is a real thing for it you. It is. It's an addiction. actually. All right. Since we got specific with with Ben, what kind of? There's a Whoa. lot of chocolate out there, right? So mm. what would be top of the list? Don't hold back.
3: <laughs> well, you know, lint chocolate makes the mm-hmm. makes the little truffle things truffles oh, that no. have the oozy chocolate in the middle mm-hmm. Nice. those for sure-hmm mm-hmm. would be number
1: one
0: that's it <laughs> good very good Emily sushi really I would I could have guessed a hundred things and I don't think I would have gotten to sushi <laughs> I love sushi really
1: yes they're really raw
0: that's a thing too mm-hmm. like sushi is is big for I mean there's sushi restaurants popping up everywhere yeah right? it's what
2: kind would what, what's your thing like Obviously, there's a wide variety. I of like
1: things. the fancy things with all the things on them, like all the different raw pieces with avocado. So you like. don't
0: just do sushi; you do sushi. Yeah, like you...
1: sashimi pieces. Yeah, all of it.
0: The hooey weddy.
1: Sashimi when it's just the, <laughs> the pieces of raw fish, I would eat that too. <laughs> so that's not your answer, obviously. We should, no, it's not.
0: <laughs> but I was just thinking we should maybe just do a whole episode on on sushi sometime. Yes, you, you could
2: <laughs> we'll bring in some experts. And yeah. There's
1: actually a vegetarian option. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: ah, a couple. Yeah, yep. This just seaweed and rice. What is yeah.
1: it? No, or there's sweet potato or oh, okay. avocado. <laughs> yeah,
2: tempura oh, wow.
1: vegetables. Yeah, so we could mm-hmm. go on.
2: Yeah, we
0: could. Yeah, Su- uh, sushi would not be for me.
1: No, what would yours?
0: Be? I don't think I've ever eaten sushi. I'm afraid.
1: You got to try it. No, I don't know. We can try it here. Chocolate. <laughs>
0: chocolate I agree with and steak I agree with. <laughs> so I don't know if I could do the sushi. But for me, and this is, this is you know, I know what I'm doing. It would be my wife's mm-hmm. special barbecue chicken thing that she does. And I don't even know how she does it. I've tried to watch and help and I still don't get it. But it's delicious. It's just Just melts in your mouth. It's awesome. So, anyway, on that happy note, what's your favorite, everybody who's who's tuning in? Uh, Think about these things. And they are revealing, though. They tell us a lot about who we are. But we are here today to talk um, about something much, much more serious. And it's finding calm in the storms. Uh, And the storms hit us. Uh, It was a few weeks ago that uh, Colette, Ben, uh, the two of you and I preached here at most of our weekend services at the West Des Moines Campus of Hope on uh, this very topic. And uh, with a little assist from REM and <laughs> Everybody Hurts, um, we we dove in. And the response um, was pretty overwhelming, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, I, certainly um, in a good way and in a positive way. I I think what surprised me maybe as much as anything is going to get into one of our questions so i'll just i 'll just tease that is that people are surprised that a church would talk about these things mm-hmm. in a good way yeah, yeah. but a, yeah. but that we talk about depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. suicidal ideation and and that we wouldn't want i i I just don 't know why we wouldn 't all want to go there since it 's a thing since yeah. since it's an, since it 's mm-hmm. an issue so with that let 's get right into the to the meat. For yeah, Ben, yeah. Uh, or the uh, chocolate, the yeah. sweet part uh, of our conversation today. I don't know how to tie it into sushi, Emily. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. But let's get into our two minute yeah. drill. Two okay. minute drill. And Emily's got some questions for you. You've got two minutes for each one of these questions. Ready, go.
1: Here we go. What's wrong with Christian sweeping mental health issues under the rug? Well,
2: Go ahead. Is this for both of us? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, it feeds the stigma and,
3: and prevents people from getting the help that they need, mm-hmm. I think is one of the yep. biggest things it does.
2: I, Like Mike said, I don't know why you would, because this is a thing. It's a life and death thing for so many people. Mm-hmm. And th- what you see in Jesus Christ is he comes into the world and all the mess that we are up against. And so to be authentically Christian, to be authentically human – and to be authentically Christian, go hand in hand. So uh, to to really be the church for people, we need to talk about the things that people are facing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in life that God does not touch. There's nothing in life that is outside of God's reach. So the church should be the place where you talk mm-hmm. about all the things that need to be talked about, where you address every topic. I, I, I just think that's what it means to be Christian.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, Colette, based on what you said, not just that church leaders might sweep it under the rug and that that would feed the stigma, but what about Christians themselves who struggle with these things? What's wrong with them mm. sweeping it under mm-hmm. the rug or just saying, I'm I'm not going to let anybody see this. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to get the help that I need.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, like Ben said, it's life and death. But I think at the same time, even I got stuck in the mindset that if I'm a strong enough Christian, I shouldn't struggle with it. and. So until we start talking about it with people and helping them understand that that those two things are not separate, that you can be a Christian and still struggle, in fact, uh, we will. And so the more we can talk about it, the more uh, people are, are able to get the help they need.
2: Yeah, so uh, one of the things that that goes with that is – uh, t- your your concept of church, what is the church? Uh, the church is a hospital for sinners. It's mm. not a huddle for saints. It's for anybody who has struggle. Mm. And so uh, for uh, anybody that's sick, how sick do you have to be to not go to the hospital? Why mm. wouldn't we just come to the church where we're meant to be together and meant to be do life together?
0: Yeah. Before we get to the next question, as long as you're on that, we're going to put at the bottom of our screen the... The hotline numbers uh, for people who need help. Maybe you're watching or tuning in uh, this podcast, and if you're listening but not watching, uh, we want to go ahead and, and uh, let you know what those numbers are too. And I'm going to pull those up and I'm, I'm going to shout them out. But let's go to the
1: next yeah, question. We're and get like, to some of that too. First, how would you define anxiety and
2: depression? Uh, The way that I put it in the sermon was my depression, I think anxiety is similar. It feels like I'm wearing blinders, and the blinders just continually close until you can only see problems. You can only see despair. You can only see the things in life that are not okay. So it changes your focus. It makes it so you can only focus on the things that are not right with the world and not things that you can't control, um, things that... uh, Are overwhelming to you
3: and I get the joy of dealing with both depression and anxiety (laughs) so I would agree with you Ben and what you said in regard to that anxiety I kind of describe it at least for me it's we all have the built-in fight or flight God gave it to us it's part of who we are so we know when we're in danger we we run or whatever and for someone that struggles with anxiety it's being in that constant state of flight um, when there's no reason to be. Hmm. And so it's kind of impending doom and a lot of uh, just unending fear that you can't describe where it's coming from or why it is uh, what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. When, when when you're uh, struggling with anxiety, how is that distinctive from struggling with depression? So you talked about the anxiety part of it. Depression, for, for folks who are tuning in, how is depression distinctive from anxiety? How is that different?
3: Well, and sometimes they go hand in hand, I right? I could get the DSM five out, and we could really look at the definition. But, but basically, uh, it's going to look different for everyone. But the commonalities when you look at depression is depression is more of the loss of interest, um, everything is hopeless, those types of things. Now, when you look at anxiety, being kind of this this heightened fight or flight thing that can feel hopeless. So they kind of can go hand in hand, but there's definitely a difference in regard to how it plays out. And
0: that's why we often hear depression and anxiety coming as a couplet, right? Yes, that they for come sure. Together.
2: In my household, I struggle with depression. My wife struggles with anxiety. And it is like, for me, it's like that, that down of like, there's no interest and no motivation and no energy and anxiety feels like this uh heightened level of anxiety or of energy like i i can't stop worrying i can't stop thinking and depression's like i can't think i i can't even worry you know in a way and so we're we're just really fun to be around and and so uh actually you are, you are. We'll, we'll, we'll,
0: we'll get to that so let me let me hit these numbers the national suicide prevention number is one 273 talk t a l k or 8255 800 273 talk and we also have a pastoral care emergency line that is answered 24 7, 365 days a year. And that number is 515 for our local area code here in Des Moines, 875. 875- 5300, 515 Just want to get those out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that helps one person, I think it was worth those few seconds to see. And
2: say even that. if you don't feel like you need those now, put them in your phone. It won't yeah. hurt to have them in your phone. You never know when True. you're going to come across somebody that doesn't need them. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can pass them along. It can be mm-hmm. one of, it, it can be a life saving thing. You know, mm-hmm. we take CPR classes, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, having that in your phone and being able to share that with somebody who needs it can be a life saver. Well, you'd, it's not just,
3: it's not just that it's i think for all of us too none of us anticipate ever being in that space ourselves right. you don't C- take
2: cpr because you think oh, i can't breathe i'm gonna go take a cpr class mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you you take cpr for the eventuality that right. that that, that will be a helpful mm-hmm. thing
1: yeah. yeah so next question is is really important i think to clarify it's is depression and anxiety a punishment from god for some past sin
2: no. Next question. My
3: answer is also no. Yeah. No.
2: Yeah. But that's uh, a
1: big question. Would you like us to flesh that out? I, I'm yeah. not,
2: I don't. I
0: don't know that you guys necessarily sound confident uh, in, in your answer. Maybe. Maybe explain why it's a no, or, or why some people think it's a yes. Because you, mm-hmm. you too, and, and myself and Emily, you run into this too as mm-hmm. as, a, as a minister here at Hope. We
2: run into people who think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the what what it means to be human is to take whatever we experience and make meaning out of it. We're like meaning making robots. And so we try to make things make sense. And, and the reason why we're wired that way is, and I'm going to get real theological here. We, we are are theologians. We are, we we are meant to articulate the praise that all of creation speaks all of creation. uh, You, if you read Psalm 19, it's like all of creation is, is speaking praise without speaking words and what humanity does is articulate that praise. It's like adding lyrics to the backbeat of all creation. So that's what we're meant to do. So in our our design to create meaning, when we experience any experience, but especially painful experience, we try to make that experience make sense. And so... Drawing causal relationships, uh, making connections, uh, finding blame. These are all the ways that uh, the way that we make meaning gets twisted by sin and by anxiety and by depression and, and all the other things that go into the world. And so as we uh, try to make meaning, then we do things like what what the disciples did. They say, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This is exact same thing that we are doing still The disciples are doing this. Is a part uh, when I was in an earthquake in Haiti. People thought, "Well, this is because you know uh, Haiti's uh, full of people practicing voodoo." Or when Hurricane Katrina happened, this is because of the uh, the debauchery of New Orleans. But that's just not how it works. Instead, what Jesus says is, "This has not happened that that because of sin, but so that the glory of God can be revealed." in experiencing the miracle, in experiencing the healing. And and God is taking the, the crooked things in life that are twisted by sin and chaos and making them right. Mm. Truth.
1: Okay, next we talked about certain numbers to call for help, but where can someone with who struggles with suicidal ideation turn to for help? And what does that ideation mean? So suicidal ideation um,
3: is just the concept of um, having the idea of of taking your life, uh, there's a there's a lot of people in our world, including myself, at one point in time, that can be in a dark space and just not want to exist. Um, that can be common for a lot of us. There's there's a big difference between that though and someone who actually is thinking of. I don't want to exist. I'm going to kill myself. This is my plan, and I have a way to to accomplish that. And so there are people, because of their diagnosis, that can hang out in suicidal ideation a lot of their lives, where every day can feel like, you know, a challenge in regard to reining those thoughts in, uh, in regard to killing themselves. Um, but as far as where to get help, obviously we talked about the, we talked about the suicide hotlines and such. But regardless of where you're listening from. Uh, if, if someone's up against it to that regard, 911 is always uh, a good good phone number to call. Uh, the cops here locally are some of our, our best advocates in that space, and they will be there in a heartbeat uh, to get people the help they need. Here locally, we have a crisis, uh, a crisis observation center at Broadlawns where when people are feeling unstable and they're not sure that they are safe, uh, they can go there and be evaluated uh and things like that, so
2: yeah, absolutely when in doubt, mm-hmm. reach out if you think that somebody's in or or you think you are uh in trouble um, and th- they would rather you call nine one one if you think you might need nine one one than you to to think, oh well i wouldn't want to bother them with this when it's actually something that is life and death and uh, i've been on that uh on the calling side, not for myself, but for people that I've worked for in, uh, care and as a pastor, but also family members where you have to call and say, uh, I think this person's in danger and that's totally appropriate when somebody's in danger, do what needs to be done to make sure that they don't get hurt.
3: Yeah. And also don't be surprised if the person themselves is initially not happy with you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you'd rather have them be alive and not happy with you than mm-hmm. not here mm-hmm. and Absolutely. so uh get them the help they need
0: that's that, good that's real that happens for mm-hmm. sure i i've experienced that too people are so mad at me yeah. for mm-hmm. yeah. for saying okay we're going go to ho- we're going to go to we're going to go to the You're, hospital yeah. we're going to we're going to get you the help you need and yep. boy they they have disowned you you know in mm-hmm. eight, for a while. 18 different ways and then <laughs> right they realize um yeah that was a that was a matter of life and death yeah mm-hmm.
1: What would you tell people about how we can find peace in the middle of storms of uh, mental or emotional chaos? <laughs> you want to arm wrestle and
2: <laughs> no, go ahead.
1: No, I
3: for myself and what I spend a lot of time um, with people on is just I think the biggest thing we can do um, preventative as well as when you're up against um, just chronic mental health issues or whatever, is one, just being grounded in the ever-present moment, like today, right here, right now. Um, anxiety and depression uh, tend to to oftentimes get you to places where you're overthinking the future or what's to come and all of the bad that could come out of it. And so I spend a lot of time with people reminding them, like, you, all you have right right now is right here, right now, today. Um, nothing more than that, and God's got tomorrow. Um, And then grounding yourself in God's word and his promises, because as Christians that struggle with depression and anxiety, we have something that not everybody does. We have the hope and the light of Jesus Christ. And so when I'm in the thick of it, um, it's those things where I can't see quite clearly on my own, maybe not even thinking logically uh, in regard to what I'm up against If I have God's word in front of me, it reminds me um, who I am, whose I am, and that His promises are true not only when the Bible is written, but today and every day for us as we continue to be up against it.
2: Yeah. One thing that uh, strikes me as we uh, think about this is um, we as Christians in America, not just Christians in America, but as Americans and people in Western civilization, are uniquely positioned to have more comfort than the vast majority of the human population throughout history or in the world today. Mm-hmm. We're more comfortable than ever. Mm-hmm. And because of this, which is not, that's just the thing. It's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing. Uh, but that comfort is true comfort, but also false comfort. Mm-hmm. And in that, uh, we've kind of divorced ourselves from the reality that suffering is a part of life. Mm-hmm. And we've bought into a lie that when suffering intrudes, that it it is somehow alien to to life and and, and to existence uh, the suffering is a is a part of living in this broken world and when we realize that, that is the normative way of existing, then what we can realize is that what Jesus says in this har- in this world you 're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world and and I think Christians and people in the rest of the world get that in a different way than we get it because mm-hmm. we are so uh we' we 're just so used to used to comfort that um, we 've kid ourselves and and diluted ourselves into thinking that comforts the normative way of existing mm. let 's take a deeper dive
0: in, into that, which is the next segment of this podcast we we like to start with some shorter conversations about topics, but mm-hmm. then we want to we want to do some scuba diving, right? We want to we want to swim around a little that bit more. That gives
3: me anxiety. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, let's let, let, let's put it this way: let's dive deeper into a box of chocolates. <laughs> okay, thanks.
3: all right, and, no. and make
0: sure that we we sample all the good flavors. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're, we're not going to just eat one and say that's it. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, Emily, I want to start with you. Mm you're in a position as the Executive Minister of Youth and Family Ministries, so you see a lot of students Mm -hmm. uh, who struggle with depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There probably isn't a month that goes by, much less a week, where we don't bump into that. And so – Maybe, from the outside looking in, people think oh children 's ministry, mm. how cute and, and, and how how lovely and, and and how angelic and <laughs> isn 't it just you know sitting around and singing some nice songs mm-hmm. and 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 isn't that great and it is that right i don 't want to minimize that it's yeah the church- church people are so good at always doing either or and they're always yeah. saying well, it 's not that, <laughs> but it 's this instead well actually it 's both yeah. right, yeah. but in that both end part of it, mm-hmm. what do you run into? Uh, What's that like? What do you see? Because the trends are kind of disturbing, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are. Um, And I, yeah, it is a trend uh, that only seems to have gone up uh, as I've done this. And I think when I look at it, I realize students are in the middle of a lot of life. And so right as we talk about adults who have these struggles, students do more and more. And I think it's only been uh, something that's grown because there's stuck in their own world of social media, and their relationships are different than they used to be. Uh, They're not out and about with people as much as they used to be. And so we come across uh, students, yeah, quite frequently, uh, who are struggling with all kinds of things uh, that are really, really heavy and scary, and they are life-threatening. We've made lots of those calls of of Mm -hmm. safety checks and and trying to get students the help that they need. And I think for a student, they can't pinpoint it as, oh, this must be my depression. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in it, you just, you're in it, and you Mm -hmm. have those blinders Mm -hmm. that Ben talked Mm -hmm. about on. Uh, And so our hope is to come alongside of them, and to, Tell them who they are, who their identity is, and what God says about them, and to get them resources and tools and people. I think yes. students need people. Yes.
0: You, you, you just said something I think really important is that we want to come alongside, and we want God to come alongside. Mm-hmm. We want folks to be aware mm-hmm. of any age, right, mm-hmm. of any yeah. generation mm-hmm. who's yeah. struggling with these things, that they are not alone. Yeah, uh, It's just so important, I yep. think, to to realize, okay, I'm not the only one who feels this way, yes. first of all. I'm not the only one who struggles with this, second of all. Uh, maybe that's the same, first of all. But uh, since I'm not alone, uh, it's great that I have community. It's great mm-hmm. that I have family or friends. And this is where church maybe is somewhat uniquely positioned, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, school can be this for people as well. Mm-hmm. But the thing about church is we don't have to apologize for talking about the ultimate source of power and yeah. healing and mm-hmm. hope. So that's the faith factor, part of this deeper dive conversation. Speak more to that, uh, Colette or Ben, uh, or both of you. I'd, I'd love to hear from both of you on that. Is What difference does faith make in the healing and the hope-producing part of this whole journey?
2: It makes all the difference. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do it without it. Yeah, you know, there's some sure people that, that muddle along, but I, I really think that at the heart of it, uh, what I was talking about earlier, we, we find false comfort in a lot of ways, but the only true comfort is to realize that the one who put the longings within our heart is also the one that fulfills the longings of our heart. That, you know, uh, we have this deep longing for connection and a deep longing to be known and a deep longing to, to be seen and a deep longing to matter. And every single human being does, and and in mental illness, but in in just existence as a teenager, for instance, or as a middle-aged person that's going through some crisis, or as somebody that's older that uh, is uh, struggling with what's my purpose now that I'm retired and losing some of my uh, ability in my body or whatever it might look like, uh, all those longings are only truly fulfilled in God, only in God. And so uh, we, we can find something that will help uh, me get to the next day in psychology. We can mm-hmm. help me find some good tools that help me uh, make sense of my world. Uh, we can you, eat a different uh, diet so that I'm eating less steak and I'm eating more, less chocolate, or, you know. But less and, chocolate <laughs> and, it's <healthier>. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but and then at, at some point, I'm going to see like this makes a difference. But it's not going to make the difference. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's going to make the difference is relationship with God, and I see that every day. Is you know a lot of what I do is meet with couples, and there's they they want communication tools, or they want me to tell their spouse stop (laughs) that thing you're doing, (laughs) right? Or they want techniques, and we can talk about that, and that's all well and good. But what's really needed? is jesus christ so how i agree a hundred
0: percent how do we strike a faithful balance between realizing and sharing the good news that jesus has a transformational healing power for Mm -hmm. people who struggle with mental health issues Mm -hmm. of any stripe and we've seen it right we've all witnessed Mm -hmm. this that you know we try we try we try we do everything we can people do everything they can communities do everything they can, uh, school counselors, er- everybody does everything they can and then uh, we see what Jesus can do and it's that, it's that uh, breakthrough moment, right? Mm-hmm. The, the wall gets kicked down and new life and freedom begin to become a part of that person's life and healing starts to happen. But how do we strike a balance between that and the people who might be tempted to over-spiritualize it, and say, well, okay, so the way I'm going to get over my depression or the way I'm going to get over my anxiety is I'm just going to pray it away uh, or I'm going to believe harder in Jesus and then Jesus mm-hmm. is going is, is to take it away. How do we balance between that and over on the other hand saying, well, I don't want to take any uh, antidepressants, I don't want to take any, I don't want to get therapy, I, I don't want to do those things. Colette, what would, you, what would you say to that? How do you strike that faithful balance?
2: You need to have your other mug that says it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. Oh, too. I do. I have it at my desk, <laughs> yes. And Zoloft, right? Because yeah. it
3: is important to have both. Um, it is a balance, and I, I think as Christians we get in weird spaces with that and think that um, it should just be one or the other. But I, speaking from personal experience, I was raised in the church. I uh, believed in God, and um, and, a, and a lot of a lot of the people that are listening to us are faithful Christians. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was up against it, I realized that everything, um, the people that I had in my life, the the therapy that I was doing, all of the things, um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I had to fall to my knees and um, ask God for help. Yep. Uh, and in that space, uh and in my journey, I, it, it's getting to know the character of Christ because one of the things that a lot of us with anxiety deal with is perfectionism mm. and also control. And so I had spent my life trying to control and order things because of something that had happened to me as a child. And um, when you spend your life ordering everything and trying to falsely think you control control everything, um, and then all of a sudden you don't. Uh, mine was my parents dying. Um, a year apart from each other and uh, threw me kind of into a debilitating depression and anxiety. And um, I was hospitalized for that. But it was in that that God got my attention in regard to this is about you and I, my friend. This is, mm. this is, this is, this is deeper. This is bigger. Mm-hmm. This is. Um, and so I, I, I have a psych degree. I believe in it. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's a both and. We look at you know God created us holistic humans. We have mind, body, and soul, and so you look at all of those pieces. And so as we even continue to vision towards the the ten for ten, um, we look at how can we be better in those spaces where we're we're trying to get people not only the the God help, but also the you know the body, the mind, all of that kind of help. Uh, because they do go hand in hand, and God, God created us for to be balanced in all of those ways. Right. So, yeah. yeah.
2: So, what your question that you just asked totally goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you rewind the podcast where I talked about false comfort, mm-hmm. and and or the, control, the control <laughs> is control. the thing, right? Right. So, uh, you know, uh, it is this both hand, but it is letting go mm-hmm. of your control, yes. right? Um, to to accept that you need help and go to the therapist is a way of of letting go of control. To accept that that you can't control it by just going to the therapist for some people is another way of just letting go of control. Mm-hmm. Right? The 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 beginning of the twelve steps is all about admitting to your life has become unmanageable and then admitting that you need Need help from you need god right (laughs) that that uh i i can't be god in my life is the most frustrating thing for me but also (laughs) ultimately this first step toward healing right the first step to fixing your problem is to admit that you have a problem Mm. right so this letting go of control and and we all have our different version of what that looks like Mm -hmm. to say uh, I'm going to control this with medication and therefore I don't have to go to therapy. It really gets down to your deep root fear of like, if I talk to somebody about the things that I've experienced, I'm going to have to be vulnerable in a way that's going to undo me. Or I I'm going to control this with therapy. Then therefore I don't need to take medication. And that was my way of controlling at first. When I started to discover that I was struggling with depression, I was like, um, you know what? I'm going to go to therapy I can think my way through this. I can feel my way through this. I can solve the problems, but I don't want to take medication because I don't want to be like one of those zombies that uh, is just zonked out all the time. And my therapist put it like, think of yourself as a shape with different sides. And there is a psychological side. There's a chemical side. There's a physical side. There's a spiritual side. And each one of those sides, if one of them is out of alignment, then working on the other sides isn't going to fix that side that's wrong or not okay or out of balance. Mm -hmm. You, You can't fix a physical problem with a chemical solution. You can't fix a chemical problem with a spiritual solution. You can't fix an emotional problem with a chemical solution so uh the the motto in our family, like I said, my wife struggles with anxiety and I struggle with depression, so we decide that you know couples that medicate together stay together, <laughs> and so we um we realize that that's a really important part of our you know having balance is making sure that we're both medicated, and you know it's a joke, but at the same time, not like you know if you uh struggle with Diabetes. Take the medication for that. If you have cancer, take the medication for that. If you have irritable bowel syndrome, take the medication for that. If you struggle with, for bringing that up, yeah, really. Now we get to where we're really talking. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Well, you are.
3: (laughs) But there is is something funny about that because we. We kind of isolate the mental health stuff in regards to the medication. We treat it a little like it, differently. Yeah, that's well,
2: a different yeah. kind of health, but it is yeah. just health. Yep. It is
0: if right. If you've got the flu, you know you're gonna you do, do take you medication do. for the flu, right? Yes. Yeah, you do. And what you so need to do. If you've got diabetes, you take insulin. Mm-hmm. And, and but when it comes to mental health, it's like, oh no, mm-hmm. we that somehow there's that stigma again, yep. right? Is there a time? Eh, let, let me just talk about from my perspective as a pastor and a, and a counselor or a care provider there is every case is different and there is a time though yes. for some people when it's time to get off the medication yes absolutely yeah. and, and, and so needs so i think it'd be really important is if we're going to be as we're taking this deeper dive into yes. the box of chocolates of mental health that we we don't talk about description as prescription. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, in your case, with, with you and Stephanie, <laughs> the couple that medicates <laughs> together, stays together, what a great line. Uh, but there might be another couple, there might be another individual, there sure. might be a, a, another person, and that's not a prescription for everybody. No. Right. It's a description of how God has brought healing to you, yeah. uh, so, and medicine's been a part of that. But for others, getting off of the medicine is actually better for them. So ba- ultimately, too.
2: Back to the main point: it's yeah. about control. Some some people are trying to control their life by taking medication. So right. then, the medication becomes a way of them escaping the reality that they're not facing. By help, you know, like you said, you're a shape, and if your uh, spiritual side is out of alignment and and not okay, then a chemical solution is not going to be the solution. So for the people that are taking a chemical trying to solve their emotional problem yes. that's called addiction uh, and, and there's other people that are addicted to uh, behaviors that aren't chemical that are they're trying to solve their spiritual and emotional problems that way. Colette, what would you
0: say to um, you know the, we, Emily talked about the trends and seeing so many youth and young people, younger generations struggling with mental health issues? And all of the accompanying uh, stressful things that come with that. What what do you see? And this is kind of taking the the conversation to another place. But I want to make sure we talk about this at least briefly before we close. What what are some of the things that you would say to parents uh, what, what, who are who are tuning in right now? And Emily, feel free to chime in too, please. What would you say to parents is helpful in this uh, you know world where I say and I mean with all sincerity, I'm glad I'm not 16. Yep. Me I mean I, I'm glad I'm not eight. Yeah. Yeah. It it's tough out there mm-hmm. and the stresses are high. And then add in social media. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I could have handled that mm-hmm. as, as a teen uh, and all the pressures. And so you, it's it's stressful enough that you're up against it on a daily basis with your peers socially in, in that kind of an environment as an adolescent. Add to that uh, the the ongoing just thumping kind of pursuit of social media Mm -hmm. that's always just lingering around the next corner. You say, well, I had a good day until Mm -hmm. I checked, you know, um Instagram or until I I looked at my social media pages and all of a sudden it just spins you down. What tools would you give to parents to say because because that can contribute to the Mm -hmm. to the to the stresses that people feel, which only amplifies the depression or the anxiety? What would you say to parents who are struggling with how can we do that better? And even as parents of faith?
3: Mm. Yeah, I can speak to that as a parent. <clears throat> um, I think a couple things. Like you said, this the social media thing has really, really, I think, gotten our society into a little bit of trouble in regard to that. We feel connected all the time, but we're really not connected. And so... You know what happened to the family meals around the table, where you actually really talk about what's going on. Um, I think what I run into a lot of times with parents, you know, who want to fix this stuff for their kids. Um, obviously, there's there's some things to figure out there too in regard to um, what they can own and what they can't, what's theirs and what's not, and just boundaries and healthy things like that. But at the same time, I have always encouraged my kids: talk to somebody. I don't care if it's me but just talk to somebody. And so mm-hmm. whether it's a counselor or somebody at, you know, youth group or whoever it is, talk to somebody. And you also find students that that aren't big talkers, so then find an avenue for them to get the outlet of what's inside out. So I have mm-hmm. an art, art therapy background as well. And so for some kids, it's it's creating art, it's journaling, it's writing, it's whatever so they can get whatever they're feeling inside out um, because that also helps. So I think those are some mm-hmm. things that come to mind right off. I don't know what else
1: yeah. you would say. I would, I would add, sometimes for me, the parents are even harder to talk to. It's just heartbreaking. <laughs> I I come across parents all the time just desperate to do whatever they can to help their child through some of these challenges. And and they're doing everything they can. And it's. Mm-hmm. I, I always want them to know, it's not a reflection no. of you, you can't fix it. You can you can try to provide all these tools and that's really, really good and that's necessary and you have to take some of these action steps. Um, but you're not alone. Um, there are a lot of families going through the trenches uh, with these things and so uh, I find uh, the parents talking about it is also important, um, mm-hmm. not just telling their student to do it but them processing through some of these things is really key. And then, uh, yeah, I would echo a lot of uh, what Colette said. I think sometimes as a parent, it's hard to say it's okay if it's not me, but go talk to somebody I know. else. We all want it to be us, but yeah. <laughs> and that's it's like, what are they going to talk about? What are they going to say about me? And we all know, you know, that different things can come out, but we're you can find safe places uh, for both uh, the parents and the, and the students. And so, I think that's what I would say is you're doing a good job loving them big and finding them help even if it's not you, is loving them in the best yeah. way you can.
0: It seems to me that the healthiest families talk about these things. And so mm-hmm. what's inside mm-hmm. comes out, as you mm-hmm. were saying, Colette, mm-hmm. and the church, among other things, biblically, is a family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm going to talk to everybody who's watching or listening out there right now. Remember who you are. Yes. Remember that you are the family of God and that healthy families talk about these things. They talk about, with truth, what's in us and that truth is the thing that leads to freedom. Uh and so, you know, for the love of all things good mm-hmm. and because you do love your kids, you know, you you yeah. just said that, Emily. Parents are so desperate mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. everything they possibly can, which is such a great motivation, right? So way to go parents. But um to to do it in a way that allows it to come out, for us to be honest with each other, to create an environment in our families, in our homes, in our church family, one of the one of the kind of – you could just see light bulbs going on top of people's heads almost during the sermon that we mm-hmm. preached a few weeks ago was when one of us said, uh, you know, this has to be a church family where we're going to talk about these things, mm-hmm. that, that it's okay to be honest about these things and, and for the sake of finding healing and for the sake of finding hope. I wish we could keep talking about this for a long, long time, but we're we're running out of time. So, at the end of every episode, we have what we call the mic drop moment, um, <laughs> which isn't necessarily like massively profound mic drop. But I was say
3: no pressure. Yeah, that's yeah. right, no pressure. But, <laughs>
0: but this over. Let, let, let me put it different way. What did you learn here today? What, what what did we learn from our conversation with each other? I know I learned a lot, um, and. Emily, it's not fair, but I always start with you. So (laughs) uh, it gives gives me a little more time to think it Uh through and process the great conversation we've just had.
1: Yeah. You know, Ben talked about the comfort piece of Mm -hmm. that's the world we live in. And I think that really stands out for me because the Bible tells us that we're going to come across tough Mm -hmm. stuff and then Hmm. tells us uh, that we know who to turn to. We know God's in it. And so I think recognizing that 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 might not be where we're at right now is this place of seeking help for ourselves or somebody else really close to us right now but uh, we uh, we know that we're going to see it uh, with with our own mm. life and so how can we always be turning our our eyes to God and our identity back to who he says he is so that we can hold on to that because we know stuff's coming
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: how about you guys mic drop moments what'd you learn
2: i um as we as we talked and as I share things that I've shared other times, it's just this reiteration to me that I can be myself, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And I think we all need to hear that. Uh, that God loves you just as you are. Amen. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you need to do to get right before you can come into God's presence. God already knows all the stuff that's not right mm-hmm. when you are ready, and he loves you anyway. And it's not that he loves everything about you, because that's not – that's not true either. I you know, that's that's another way of pretending like things are what they're not. But at the same time, uh God is embracing you because he's your heavenly Father and he just wants you to come into his arms and he can't wait for you to come home. Wherever you're coming from, just come home and know that you're at home here. And here being in God's presence and here being at Hope or any other church, just know that you're loved. Mm. Amen.
0: Collect what did we what did what did you learn here today?
3: Oh, so much. I I think, like you said, just kind of a really good reminder how blessed we are to be a church that does talk about it, and that we mm-hmm. can be ourselves. Um, growing up, I didn't have that, so hopefully, us being real and honest with with who we are um, helps helps people seek that, and just a really good reminder that, um, like Ben said, God loves you right where you're at right in the midst of it. And our heart for you is that you hear that and know that to be true. Mm.
0: Thank you. For me, uh, it was something you said there toward the end, Colette. Uh, I, I, there's so many moments in this conversation where it's like, yeah, that's it. But it's, it's it, sometimes this is why community is so good and Christian community is so good. One of the reasons is because we may know things, we may be able to um, think through things and have Uh, kind of conclusions in our mind about things but sometimes when you hear somebody articulate it in a new way Mm -hmm. it's like oh that's the way that really sums it up and then you can carry it with you and it's closer so you said something very simple but profound mic drop worthy then i think is that what's in has to come out it Mm -hmm. it has it has to come out Mm -hmm. and that means for people who are struggling Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to give them those avenues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, that's all we can do. We yep. Can't make people, you know, share mm-hmm. what they're not going to share, but to hopefully make it safe and and to not put on that stigma that we've talked about mm-hmm. as a church family uh, or as families within a church. It says, well, in this family, you're going to e- even if you struggle, you're going to pretend you don't and and just kind of mm-hmm. suppress it and push it away. What if? Uh, Instead, we put all of our faith, and I think this is a faith issue, Mm -hmm. we put enough, we had enough faith in God to say, uh, we aren't going to pretend to be something we can't be. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to be people of God who trust in the grace of God, and so we're going to acknowledge when we aren't right. And and we're going to do that for our own health and for our own well-being and for the sake of who God has called us to be Mm -hmm. and, and to reach full potential. So, thank you for that. Uh, Both of you guys, Colette Mm -hmm. and Ben, you are such a gift to this church. Oh, thanks. And and you really represent a much, much wider team of care providers here, pastors and chaplains and care ministers (laughs) who are just outstanding, uh, faithful people. Uh, And so we're here for for you uh, who are listening, who are tuning in, Uh, if you need help. Uh, please reach out to us. please reach out to um, someone. If it's in you, it's got to come out. Um, so God bless you guys. Thanks. Yes. Emily. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to awesome. our crew, to, uh, to Ben and uh, to Ben, to Brendan and to Chris. <laughs> what are your names? Again? What are you guys? Uh, it's nice the to crew. meet you. Uh, <laughs> the crew, Chris kn- Chris knew the crew uh-huh. and Brendan Pew. Pew and knew the crew. Ooh! It almost it's totally rang. It's got a rhymes. ring to
3: it. Yeah. There
0: definitely does. New and, thing. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. We've got another great podcast coming to you really, really soon. Uh, you can find it right here. And uh, I'm just honored. I know we all are that you are tuning in uh, as we seek to find those places where Christ and culture intersect, and to have these really important conversations about faith and life. We'll see you next time.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in today to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. We would invite you on whatever app you are on to rate and review us to help get the word out. And in the meantime, if you can join us for worship, we would love to have you. We'll see you there.